This is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tip industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. Welcome to the Spa Retailer Podcast. Today on the podcast, once again, I have John Michael Coleman. Thanks for joining us today. Good to see you again. Awesome. We, I think we're, this is going to be our second year in a row that we've done a, a, a pool spa patio expo recap. So last year I thought it went pretty well. And so I said, let's do that. Let's do that again. Welcome back to talk about the same topic. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I've always felt that in many levels of income, certain careers, there's a continual education and pool and spa world. You see a lot of people getting complacent when they get through. So I enjoy the trade shows, going through and learning all the products, being modern, getting up to date. But uh, it's it's habit at this point, but I enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. I always learn something new at the show, whether it's just from talking to people, whether from it's going in and out of the booths, or if it's even just a, like an education class, I always take something away from it that I didn't know before. Even if you don't get there every year, every other year, I feel like is really good for, like you said, that continual education. Exactly. Exactly. So you've, you've been to the show on both ends as an exhibitor and then also as an attendee. I'm curious, I've been thinking about this a lot just for our own company, but what do you think that good post-show follow-up should look like? Because I'm looking at all the people who came to our booth and I'm like, okay, what do I do with these people now? <laughs> First is you want to actually follow up right, and have a call to action. When you're going in sales and we're going to a presentation, we're, we're going out, we're presenting our service, we're presenting our relationship. And that is, that is where the hot tub world has really changed. I feel in my experience, being my age, I was close to the first generation owners. And I had the, the joy of having a lot of mentors because I was a dealer and went through different levels and wasn't really pigeonhole to one brand per se. I remember Mike Deans, Dave Ingram, Ron Clearwater, Bob mm -hmm. Louder, like just the list goes on and the relationships that were there. So a large part of the show is building the relationships and listening, uh, showing that you're a good listener, repeating things and uh, kind of moving, seeing where businesses need to evolve to. Mm -hmm. As we get um, really caught up in uh, this is what we do and let's just be blind to the process of of retail of how we do business uh the hot tub world is a relationship business and that is why we're seeing some of the imports breaking into the marketplace because that connection is going away yeah so to yeah. answer your question i would i would say that having a follow-up plan uh taking the response uh, what it is i i typically find free offerings of some kind. They don't have to be large, but some something yeah. that you get to get them in the door. And that's oftentimes these are buying the long-term business. So I'm getting in the door, I'm buying that long-term business. Let's give you a let's give you a start and it'll pay for itself over time. Yeah. 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 It's interesting that you see that that relationship part of it changing. I tend to agree with you a little bit. And it's not that I feel like the second generation doesn't care about relationships. I think they do. I just think they see it 
a little bit different when it comes to, when it comes to business? Yeah, I, th I think um, I firmly believe the connection to the dealer with these private equity groups and this connection to how companies deal with their dealers. It's not connected. Got it's, it. Okay. I get it. So you're saying you see it more on the manufacturer side where they're the ones that maybe they, they aren't able to foster the relationships like they were in the past. It's a little bit of a, I want to be careful not to. Do I don't, I don't want to get you. I don't want to get you in trouble. I get it. I get I, it. <laughs> but I feel that there is a connection of what the retailer wants and what the end user wants. And the closer that we are connected to the end user, the more we're putting viable products out. The more we're stripping products down and not connecting to the end user, uh, we're unattached. And I think you saw during COVID, um, a lot of manufacturers, I, I remember this when I repped Europe years ago, the manufacturers feel all dealers were making just ridiculous amounts of money. And they were raising prices up, they're moving. Some of it was supply chain, some of it was necessary. And then now that those uh, carrying costs and things have corrected, manufacturers haven't gone back and changed. Changed and their the, pricing. Correct. And the, and the burden is on the dealer. The dealers having to keep these pricing because they need to keep margin. Also, we're in a world where the pay-per-click ads, some of the advertising that we've used before, it's not as effective. So content mm -hmm. generation, there's a number of things that the market is trending to that dealers are having to put and invest time and effort into it. Yeah. Uh, it makes it hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you see this year walking around the trade show floor? Any trends, any new products, anything that you're seeing that you saw this yet, this time around? Well, I think the big elephant in the room was all the Chinese product. There was. A, yep, absolutely. There was a lot. Um, seems like the European manufacturers had a little bit more uh, buzz going mm -hmm. with innovation. Um, there were some products, some pre-filters and things that I enjoy some of the more boring things that. Uh, no, I do. I do too. I mean, I think that's if that's that stuff is good to talk about. It's the things that make retailers' lives a little easier and the consumers' lives a little easier. Yeah, I think um, the Treze um, that was definitely a unique look. Those. Yeah. So for people who didn't see it, there are these uh, Italian hot tubs. They were. They are very modern looking, very clean, definitely unlike, I wouldn't say it's totally unlike anything we've seen in the hot tub industry, but I've never seen an entire booth of that type of product for their hot tubs. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. And I got to plug in the other European manufacturer. I'll, I'll just keep it, uh, you know, <laughs> that also had a good show outside of that. A lot of the, a lot of the other import models are really just, we got that too. How many pumps, how many jets, what's the price? Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. moving through, there is a danger with those products that I'm seeing out there, which is the dealers that carry those brands, they are carrying the name. It's not, there's no branding of the manufacturer, but it becomes the dealer carrying that name. Sure. And if there's not parts and components and backup support for that, there's a big danger that could bury your business. It is pinned to you. Um, and those companies seem to be pretty aggressively pushing the OEM side, private mm -hmm. labeling side, which has a, you know, it has an allure to a lot of dealers, um, especially sure. dealers that have been around for a long time. There are some big dangers to that. Sure. That's an interesting point. A lot of the U.S. based manufacturers, 
what they say about the overseas product, about the Chinese product in particular, is doesn't meet all of our standards and there's issues there. That may or may not be true. I don't know. And I think if they don't have those standards, I'm guessing that they're going for them and they will have them at some point soon. So I think that's another interesting point, though, is, yeah, these are no one knows who these brands are in our market and the consumer doesn't know. And maybe they don't care, but you're right. If something goes wrong, the dealer is going to take the brunt of that. I hadn't thought about it in through that lens before. Something else I noticed on the floor was it seemed that there were a lot more services for retailers and specifically hot tub retailers out there, mostly on the marketing side. I feel like there's a lot of companies popping up who are offering help on that side of their business and have experience in the the spa side of the world. I feel like that was maybe the other thing I noticed this year was there a lot more of those kinds of companies at the show. Yeah, I saw I saw a number of advertising companies that were working on content, social media programs. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a little bit less on the chemical side, uh, as I recall from year to year. Um, there were a couple of nice displays. I enjoyed the one up in the beginning with the full shop set up. This is what it should look like. Yeah, they did. They had a kind of retail innovation zone where they put together a, a sample retail store layout. Yeah, they did do a nice job with that. And especially, I agree, the chemicals part of that looked really nice and clean and, and welcoming. So yeah, I like that as well. I think with a lot of business owners, you're going to find that the business owner themselves is proficient in one or two areas. Maybe mm-hmm. they're good at sales, maybe they're good at service, maybe they're good at marketing. The better ones hire good personnel and you know allow them to do their work. Uh, but I've always enjoyed where companies put the picture so people come in and go, that's what I want. Here's a template, put it together. Because um, it's very disarming to consumers when they walk into a showroom and they just see everything organized, their brains aren't racing and they're more into retail. Okay, I feel comfortable here. This is an organized place. This is somewhere I want to do yeah. business. You that know. makes a huge difference. For me as a shopper, if a store is cluttered, I am way less likely to buy something there. I wish I was like a good discount shopper and I could go into discount stores and dig and find that special thing. I'm not that person. I will walk in. I give the store a once over from the front door. If I see something I like, I will go look at it. But sometimes I can do that once over and know that there's nothing here for me and leave. I maybe I'll walk in just to be polite at that point. But if it's if it's a mess, I'm out. I'm out. Sure. And it's. Finding how your end user responds. A lot of companies, they don't pick up on that very point. If you see 10 people walk in the door and promptly turn around and leave, okay, why? Uh, mm-hmm. If you see people come in and engage and they're just comfortable, why? And yeah. let's let's promote good sales, good good merchandising. Getting people in the door, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I am... Um... I have to say, so I didn't have a chance to spend as much time in hot taboos as I would have liked. I have to say, I'm not sure I saw a ton of new features this year with hot tubs themselves. Last year, like the big thing that we were seeing in the booths were heat pumps. So I feel like this year there wasn't that uh, through line of, okay, every manufacturer showed up with this as their new thing. So I didn't see anything. Did you? I think both of the European manufacturers had a bunch uh, that were new. 
I think with the U.S. brands, there has been a lack of innovation for some time. There's just been this lack of connecting and, and driving the marketplace. I, I don't want to pick on the U.S. brands, but... Well, and it's hard too because there aren't as many U.S. brands there. So it's hard to, to compare apples to oranges in that sense because there's only a handful. Like you said, a lot of the people displaying this year were overseas brands. Right, right. Yeah. I, I, I always found it interesting the in regards to the Chinese years ago, we would go to the shows and when the Chinese were in the booth, they would not engage people. You would usually see four or five people on their phones and not mm -hmm. actually talking to people. And then at this show, there was at least five times where some of the Chinese folks came in and just interrupted like a conversation. They're like, hey, just pushed everybody the way I talk to uh, the owners and uh, you take a picture with me. And yeah, it was is amazing. Yeah, that's um, an interesting point too cuz I I heard similar things where there was a lot more conversation going on than normal in those booths. Yeah. Um but I I think there's a there's especially on the West Coast, Texas, there's a couple markets that have really struggled. And uh we saw this in 2008, we saw it at different times, and that product has a foothold. It's getting in the door. It's price point. It's giving people what they want. It's again, it's that we got that too. How many jets, how many pumps, what's the price? Mm -hmm. Companies are putting better chemical regiments, Spot Marvel, Silk Balance, Finesse, all these different products with those products and selling the better filtration of it, moving it through. And it's got a foothold on the West Coast. King Technology, they had a new frog product for swim spas, which we wrote about it in our last issue. So it wasn't a total surprise that was there, but I'm excited to, that we're starting to see chemicals created and packaged and sized for swim spas finally. Cause yeah, cause I understand why chemical manufacturers haven't done that. You need to get, you need to have enough of a market out there to be able to justify the cost of creating those products. But like how great for the consumer, finally, that you're not trying to do the math to double up your hot tub chemicals or to downsize your swimming pool chemicals that you're putting in your swim spa. Exactly. Exactly. There's definitely been a need for a long time. This is, it's a un... Um, so uh, I sh we should say, so both, both John and I are sick. He has the flu. I just have a cough that I've had for the last two weeks, which was really fun at the show. We're just, we're just powering through today. Exactly. We're having a little tea, sipping, recovering, having a, having <laughs> lots a of cough drops in the booth, in my, uh, my podcast booth. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so there are some products that just haven't been served for a long time and there's mm -hmm. a need for them. Um, I did some of the, uh, audio things, some of the systems that are measuring chlorine and pH and alkalinity that are working. Those are, mm -hmm. those are unique, um, especially the inline systems. I think that's what we're going to see going forward is more innovation and change. Yes. It's time. much, yeah, much needed and difficult to do. Very excited to see what's coming out in that arena in the next year. I think there's going to be some really exciting stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. That's, that's yeah. the kind of stuff that gets me, uh, you know, kind of goosebumps and whatnot. Cause it's a thing that we've been talking about that we've needed for how long. And so it's exciting to finally see, I feel like we're on the precipice of having those systems that are what 
consumers want, which is to look at their phone, see what their water is doing and know, know what to do to fix it. And it's not a, that's the, obviously that's the, the biggest headache for ownership and in, in our industry. Yeah, and there are all these things that have come up organically that the end users have asked for. Oh, mm-hmm. why don't we have something like this? And they just haven't been around. So it's going to be exciting to see some of those products evolve and kind of move through and where each of the companies has their little tweak and a little adjustment and, and uniqueness to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for I'm excited for that too. And that, yeah, those are the kinds of things that I, it's not just you and it's not just me. Everyone in this industry, we're all nerdy about those types of products and things that when they're coming out, because we know how much they're needed. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit of a hot tub geek, for sure. It's... We have to be at this point in our lives, right? Yeah, exactly. I've, over the years, I've had headhunters and different people like approach me for different careers and jobs, like often when you run yeah. businesses and different things. And I can't see myself doing anything other than hot tubs. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me. There's other things I could be successful at, but I'm like, yeah. Yep. That's a guy. Here we are. We're, we're probably lifers at this point. Yep. It's, you can't get out. (laughs) I think that was the, those are the only things on my list. I feel like this from this year in particular, there are a couple of things I missed that I was disappointed about. I know that there was a, some CEOs of some hot tub brands had a, a panel on innovation that I missed. I was really bummed. I think that would have been really interesting to get to. I didn't know of that one. Uh, I know I didn't either until after it was too late. And so I was really disappointed that I didn't get to, that I didn't get to see it. And yeah, there are definitely some more booths I would have, I wished I could have spent more time in, but yeah, another show in the books. I think, do you have any predictions for 2024? Yeah, I, I think the market is going to write itself towards the end of the first quarter in 2024 or 2025. Excuse me. I think it's going to be a little bit turbulent. Not quite like this year, but similar. Mm-hmm. But we saw a lot of dealers that had a lot of inventory at the beginning of the year. Manufacturers had a large amount of inventory that were mm-hmm. in there. So in the first quarter of this year, we saw a lot of manufacturers were down quite a bit because the dealers went into first quarter carrying a lot of product. Yeah. Um, so the manufacturers weren't reproducing that product. And they were moving through and in the market was slow. And in in different pockets, we saw a lot of um, the market write itself. I know a number of dealers by the end of the year, they were up from last year. Yeah. Most of the dealers really went back to 2019 projections. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the next thing that dealers really need to do. Um, I've talked to a number of dealers that weren't projecting during COVID. They... Dealers that would have their whole year planned out. And then during COVID, they started going to six months or three months or every month. Yeah. And it fell off the wheel and they're not really predicting. I think it's very important for dealers to get back to projecting, looking, having goals, going back to the norm. Yeah. Uh, Very important. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that. That's the wise advice. If you haven't gone back to trying to do some of those things again, definitely a pastime to do that. Because yeah, the, otherwise, how are you going to figure anything out? I think in 2024, I think manufacturers are going to get very aggressive. So I think, like you said, they had some product to move this year. And I think that in 2024, I think that the gloves are coming off and they are really going after new business. 
So they're they're gonna have to, or they're not gonna survive. You mm-hmm. know, um, yeah. It's there at some point. These companies and the relationships of like pre-COVID, I think we touched on it last year. These companies had long-term relationships with their OEMs, and they were strong. Mm-hmm. Like many dealers, if you told them you wouldn't be with this brand beyond next year, et cetera, uh, they would be like, no way. And now with with COVID happened, all those were tested. We heard allotments. We heard all these things that, that happened. We're hopefully not going back to that program, but we don't know. And the relationships there are being tested. So companies are going to have to find a way to regain that trust and regain market share. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the time where people had patience for dealers no longer being exclusive is also over. And I think, yeah, the pressure is going to be pressure is going to be on to get those secondary manufacturers off the floor. It's going to be, I think it's going to be an interesting year. And I think too, and we saw some of this year, but I think there will be a lot more consolidation on the dealer side as we start to see that that kind of generational changeover, some of the big guys buying up their competitors. I think we'll see a lot more new stores opening. I think everyone's going to be like, where can I get those new sales? And there's going to be a lot of growth on that side. Yeah. We're seeing it already. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on here while you have the flu. I appreciate it. (laughs) I'm going to go pass out now. So this is awesome. Always, yeah, uh, no. always good to hang out with you. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks so much for doing this. And 2024 uh, show, we'll see what we get. We'll see what we get this time next year. Yeah, I'll, I'll put my name in that. You know, so. <laughs> Sounds good. Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at spa Thanks for listening.